Sorry, could you say that again? The internet is made of cats. Thank you. Gotta get that on there. Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Chris. And we're going to be talking about the products that we manage at ThoughtBot. I run an app called FormKeep, which provides form backends for designers and developers. And I, Chris, run Upcase, our subscription learning platform for aspiring web developers. Hey, Chris. Hi, Ben. How you doing? Doing well, and you? I'm good. Glad to hear it. I feel really good. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm energized. I digest. Mm -hmm. It's good. We'll bring that energy into the podcast. Let's do it. All right. Uh, why don't I kick things off? Uh, a couple of things to talk about. Word. So, hmm? Cool. Yeah. So from last week, uh, a couple of things that I had committed to getting done. The first was the weekly iteration. Uh, this week was a weekly iteration recording week. So we got four episodes recorded, uh, recorded with Derek Pryor and with Matt Sumner. Ooh, good uh, guys. Yeah, good guys. Uh, a lot of fun, enjoyable. Uh, got some good episodes in the can. I think one of them is already released, an episode on SSH the secure shell and all the things around that. Hmm. Uh, always feels good to get that in. That's a sizable amount of content that'll hold us for the next four weeks in mm -hmm. theory. Mm -hmm. uh, it tends to be a good amount of work that goes into that, but now uh, always whenever I finish it, I'm like, yes, the longest time before I have to record the weekly iteration again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not that I don't enjoy it, but it is it is a good amount of work. And so happy with uh, getting that done, mm -hmm. but it's a relatively kind of, that's a recurring task that we do, keeps happening, so it happened. Uh, the next, I'd say by far more interesting thing is uh, emails. So I sent out some emails. Um, I have learned that this is not a core competency for me. That is the <laughs> thing that came out of uh, last week. I uh, worked with this a little bit, and this week I actually shipped them. Uh, this is something that I definitely struggle with, something that uh, I have less confidence in, and thus I end up second-guessing myself a lot. And there's also a lot less hard answers what should my subject line be? Something that will make people click through on the email. Right. And what should my calls to action be, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that said, it uh, shipped, and these are both uh, sort of representative emails for the sort of emails I want to be sending more of in the future. So there were two of them. The first was the, uh, this was targeted at what I'm calling my newsletter segment. So these are generically people that have gone through one or more of the drip sequences. Mm. And now they're basically just you're still on the list. You're getting updates when Upcase has something interesting to say. Mm -hmm. So any major product updates or any new content, I'll be telling them about it. Uh, and basically with this email, I was kind of retroactively telling them about mastering Git, but also this is a subsection of the audience that hasn't ever subscribed. So I used it. I used similar language that I used in the, hey, it's the new year, level up with Upcase, uh, that email that went pretty well. Uh, so that one went out yesterday evening. So both of these were shipped very, very recently, mm -hmm. actually. Uh, so that one went out yesterday evening. Uh, according to Stripe, there is a coupon associated. And so using that as the metrics, uh, I see eight subscribers. So mm -hmm. some people coming in and many more days before that's done. Drip is telling me 14. So, you know, analytics are hard. Uh <laughs> The coupon's a little bit lower, so there's the possibility that people just signed up without it. I don't know. I would be surprised. Oh, yeah, that could be. Uh, and again, I have difficulty in kind of reconciling these two lists, but in the sense of I put this out here, uh, out there into the world, I'll also do a follow-up in a week or actually a little less than a week to say, like, that discount, it will expire. Uh, and with the previous email, I found that to be actually the far more effective mm -hmm. of the two emails. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of a sequence, and this is the first kind of priming people. And then the second will follow on. How, how much discount are you offering? Uh, this was a 25% discount. Okay. Uh, off not, the first month. Off the first month. Okay. 
Not entirely sure why I chose 25 versus 50 in the past. Um, we have had a number of discounts out there. I'm trying to move away from discounts. Basically now most of the audience that is on that list either received a Thanksgiving email from you, a New Year's email from me, or this Mastering Git email from me. And in mm -hmm. each of those, we offered a discount. So I think we're going to back away from discounts in those in the broad newsletter group uh, for a while. I don't know, arbitrarily, maybe like four a year I'll do discounts around holidays or particular times of the year. But for now, I've, I've done that a bunch recently. Mm -hmm. uh, so if nothing else, this now uh, warms up this list. So now everyone in the 10,000 or so, I think it's a little bit higher than that, uh, subscribers that I have has heard from us in some way or another recently. Uh, some have unsubscribed, which is perfectly fine. Uh, the unsubscribes have not been, uh, in this case, I'm seeing... 0.9% uh, unsubscribe rate, which again, considering this to these folks, this was a very cold email. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I'm okay with that. Yep, that seems fine to me. But now this is the first email. Pretty soon we'll be releasing a new course. And I'm going to try and space this out so it's, say, a month or so from now. But they'll get another email saying, hey, we just released Advanced Active Record. Here are the reasons that that's great. Here are the uh, benefits associated with learning this technology. What's the gist of the new course? Which course? Uh, Active Record. Uh, that is advanced active record querying. So rather than just user.where and then some simple query, actually diving in and uh, traversing across relationships, both belongs to and has many, uh, and then using custom joins. And it, it was Joe going, uh, Joe Ferris, our CTO, going pretty deep on the sort of stuff that you can do with active record. Mm. Um, historically, and I think you and I have worked together on enough of these sort of things, we both fall into the same camp of. I don't know, this got hard with Active Record. I'm just going to loop over it with Ruby and write the code that way, mm -hmm. when in fact you can leverage the database. The database is very good at this. Mm -hmm. uh, and the thing that I learned from this course is that Active Record is actually really good at exposing additional control points. So it's not an all or nothing. You can actually go in and say, Active Record, run this query, use a special join for which I will handwrite the SQL, but the rest of the query mm -hmm. I'm going to compose using Active Record Ruby syntax. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, personally, I learned a ton watching this course. Nice. That sounds good to me. Like, yes. I think I would learn something from that. I'm yep. sure I would. And I imagine people listening might be in the same boat. Yeah. When's it dropping? That, uh, my hope is to next week get it, everything but the blog post associated with launching it ready. Mm -hmm. And then the following week, uh, I'm actually going to be traveling, but launch it during that week. And we'll come back to the traveling in a moment. Cool. Uh, so, interesting bit I too. forget what our lag time between episode and publishes, but... That's somewhere around the 24th or something? You're expecting this to go out? Somewhere, yeah. Last week in February. Yes. Okay. So keep your eyes out. It might actually be live by the time you're listening to this. If not, it will be dropping very soon. Fabuloso. Yeah. Um, but again, so coming back to this email, uh, sent that out, seeing some conversions here, hopeful for the future additional conversions that we can see with the follow-up email on this and the, uh, the time-sensitive nature of the discount. So happy to have that out in the world. And again, this is priming for the next email to our newsletter segment. Do you already have the follow-up with the reminder uh, queued up? I do not. No. Like I said, these emails are uh, difficult for me to write. So I got this one out and I said, you're good. You're in the world. And I'll, that'll probably be Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday of next week that I'll write those. Mm -hmm. And I'll deal with them at that point. Um, because I also wrote a different email, uh, a second email. This is uh, an email that went out to cancelers. So people that canceled between August and November and have not resubscribed, which there are a handful that actually have. Some people kind of pop in once every two months, and mm -hmm. I'm just going to let them do that and have fun. Mm -hmm. uh, but people who canceled have not resubscribed and did not receive a refund. 
which was a difficult segment to produce in the world. In fact, it was impossible to produce uh, in Drip because that data doesn't exist, mm -hmm. particularly refunds. Mm -hmm. Refunds happen in Stripe. Uh, and so there is a mechanism with webhooks and things that I'm looking at where I can basically webhook onto Upcase and Upcase tells everybody else. Mm -hmm. But for now, I basically uh, exported that data from Stripe or I used their API to find the refunds. Cross-reference that with uh, subscribers. Got to write some code for that, which was fun. Mm -hmm. Don't write a ton of code these days. But so this was a group of 380 folks who met all of those criteria. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I see constantly when people are canceling, we ask for a reason when people are canceling what's what's going on. And actually, that's often a really good interaction point for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the things I see is like, I'm just pausing. I'll be back in a few months. I'm taking a break. I'm going on vacation for one reason or another. I don't want to pay $29 this month, but I definitely want to come back. I like the content on Upcase. Yep. So this is the first, I think, time that we've really followed up with that sort of group. Uh, so it's a, a test in that sense. But again, I, I think this is one where every single month I want to be sending something like this to the people who canceled three months or so ago, that, right. that slice of people. Yeah. So give them a little time away, let them you know sort themselves out and then say like, hey, it's been three months. And so in this case, I was able to say things like we've launched Mastering Git. That's a great course. Also, here's a bunch of weekly iterations and we keep producing them every week. Mm -hmm. uh, you can try out some free samples of some of these things. Yeah. Come on back. We miss you, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing that was interesting about this particular email is we don't have a great mechanism for people resubscribing. Yeah, uh, We have the card information in Stripe. Stripe stores that for us. Uh, so it's actually very easy to resubscribe it's a person. It's like a one-click resubscribe. But theoretically. Yes. Theoretically, in our case, people would actually have to go in and re-enter their credit card, mm. which is like the worst possible option. So longer term, I would love to get a button that says reactivate or resubscribe me, make it one click. Mm -hmm. uh, but since we don't have that, I figured, well, I can actually do this. I'm happy to do this. So the end of the email, rather than having a big button or anything, was bolded. Just reply to this email letting me know you'd like back in, and I will take care of everything for you in less than a minute. Nice. I'm interested to see how that plays, and I could actually see that being a beneficial strategy long-term, no matter what, even if we do have the magic one-click button. Hmm. Like, uh, having a person on the other side, having that personal nature of, I, Chris Toomey, can resubscribe you in just a minute. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued if that would actually outperform a one-click button thing. I don't know. But for now, it's a requirement, so I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. My guess is the button would perform better, because if I am interested in resubscribing, it's because I want to see the stuff that's new probably and so the idea yep. that there's a delay while you sign me back up is kind of like eh, you know yeah and i mean in general i want people if for any other reason if there's a link that they find on the internet or something else that brings them back to upcase after they've canceled i want to make sure we have that really easy for them to uh right. hop back in it'd be really slick to have that like right in the header basically yep like hey we know your account is paused we you can, you can resubs re yeah. whatever and, and so particularly the language of pausing is something that people use they say i don't want to cancel i want to pause totally uh and some people actually think we're going to delete their data which i would never delete data that's the worst thing in the world in my mind yeah but oh well, it's interesting i i wonder if you would see more resubscribes if you just change the word cancel to pause Mm -hmm. Like even without changing what, I mean, the code doesn't need to change at all. Like you're canceling yeah. the subscription on yep. the Stripe side, but nothing else really changes. And I wonder if people would just mentally think like, oh yeah, that's right. I paused this and therefore like I can clearly come back and unpause this once I'm ready. I like that if nothing else is a test, thinking about like we could do that with VWO and change just the wording on the button. Mm hmm I'm interested in that from a couple of days. So yeah, I'm gonna, I, I just took a note to myself to think about that cool. offline. But I like that idea, and I definitely want to head in that direction overall. Yeah. I don't think it would reduce the number of people that like, end mm -hmm. up shutting down their subscription, but I think the mentality might cause more yep. people to come back. 
which does make it a very difficult test to run. It's a long, Definitely. takes yeah, yeah. a couple months, but yeah, yeah. nonetheless, I think it's really uh, interesting. Especially, I think if you cl said like you click pause and then like something goes gray and there's like a big green button, which is like click here to reactivate your account whenever mm -hmm. you're ready. Yep. And then they just kind of know, oh yeah, that, there's that big green button. I know I can click whenever. Yep. So um, it looks as though two people have subscribed directly and then two more have replied to me. So hmm. it seems like, and this, I just sent this out right around lunchtime today, so only a few hours ago. So okay. I'm hoping this will continue to perform. I feel like there's a follow-up that I should do that feels like a thing that's true in the world of email. I also don't really want to bug people. This is where I, I kind of struggle with email. I want to be honest and sincere uh, and yet actually do a good job selling things. And mm -hmm. so finding that that right place. But for now, I send it out into the world. Next week, I'm going to think about, I know that I want to send out the follow-up for the first email. I think this one probably deserves a follow-up as well. If nothing else, this is kind of a test of this whole mechanism. Mm -hmm. uh, I should probably send a second email to test that and to see how it goes. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's emails. They were good. Got them out. That was um, a big piece of what I wanted to get done this week because I think that's a formative part of how we're going to keep growing Upcase over the long term. Um, so although they took a little bit more time than I wanted this week, I think in future months, these will be a little more straightforward for me. I have this kind of foundation. I know how I did it before. I know what I would want to improve, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So next up is content, general big course content. Uh, my goal was to get the Bourbon, the design course, back in motion, which we have now. Uh, mm -hmm. Steven is a designer in our San Francisco office, and so I reached out to him. Uh, he's between client projects right now. And he's working on the video outlines as well as the exercises. At this point, I think we have all of the exercises and most. We're missing two of the outlines, uh, but he'll be working on it a little bit more next week. So I'm hopeful that we can end next week with everything I would need in order to go into a recording session and basically start lining up a designer here in Boston to do that recording. Uh, but I'm excited to have that back in motion. That's basically, I'll give myself a check mark for getting that done this week. Cool. Uh, in addition, I reached out to Josh Clayton, who is uh, our development director here in Boston and also the host of the Test Driven Rails course on Upcase, which is one of our historically most popular and really kind of core pieces of content. Yep. Uh, it's one of the original workshops that was kind of the foundation of what eventually you turned into Upcase. At this point, it's still very solid. It's on Rails 4, but I think I'm okay with that. Uh, but what I'd like to do is just update the content a little bit, flesh out the notes so it's more in line with the other videos so that there are code samples and things that people can copy. Uh, additionally, flesh out the summaries on the video pages on basically the main trail page or mm -hmm. course page, as it might be called. <laughs> So I've lined up Josh uh, to do some work on that, depending on his schedule, but he seems to have a few days next week where he can work on that, hmm. uh, help clean it up, get me a color headshot of him so that I can enhance his face presence on the page, mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of clean it up and get it. it. It feels different than the other more recent content, and I don't like that because I know it's an amazing piece of content, and I don't want anyone that newly signs up to Upcase to be like, oh, well, that one looks you know, less taken care of. Right. I'm not going to start with that. I'm going to go to these other ones. Right. Uh, so I want to make sure it, it stands out and shows kind of the quality of the work inside of it. Mm -hmm. Similarly, so that's going to happen next week. Excited about that as well. And hopefully that can actually be completed in the next week. Additionally, we have a larger, uh, more substantial overhaul of the intermediate rails course. Uh, so that is Goose's workshop. Uh, that's another of our kind of foundational workshops that you built the whole upcase thing from. We built the whole upcase thing. We. Well, I mean, I, I, from the, the very start, that's one of the like base workshops that, but yeah, 
Yeah. Thoughtbot as a, as a group. Yes. I was, yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, I was a standard bearer, but lots of people were working on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, this is uh, Goose's workshop that then got turned into a video recording that mm -hmm. then became a couple other things. Mm -hmm. uh, but this one's definitely showing its age. It's on Rails 3, and we're just about to get Rails 5 whenever that happens, but in theory within the next month. Mm -hmm. uh, and more and more people are commenting uh, and actually canceling due to like, yeah, your Rails content is out of date. Mm -hmm. So definitely feeling the pain on that. So I'm working with Goose to plan a re-recording basically the day Rails 5 drops, not the day, but as soon as possible after we have a stable Rails 5 uh, release. Um, so right now he's working on the content and making sure, right now he can't run the app because Action Cable breaks stuff, but uh, hmm. such is life. Hmm. That'll get worked out. Uh, but want to make sure he's in a position and we have all of the content ready and he knows uh, the initial, the videos as they stand right now are a little bit longer than our typical content. We like to go more for like 10 to 20 minutes and mm -hmm. those are more 45 to an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, so break them down into smaller pieces, add the notes, do the whole thing, uh, and then re-release that course and again kind of just strengthen our whole Rails offering since it's a, it is the core of what we do. Yeah. So yeah, that, uh, I'm feeling good about all of those efforts. In addition to having the active record stuff pretty close to ready to release, I'm feeling good about the content that's in development. Uh, but I also am starting to feel that pressure of haven't released any major content in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, so for this next week, for me, I'm going to shift my focus back to getting the active record course basically ready to go live. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the content side of things. Uh, next big thing for me is... Uh, the past two weeks, I've been solo on this project since uh, Rigu rotated onto a client project, uh, which again, I think was a great opportunity for him, but it did mean that I didn't have his help anymore. And he was, uh, he had picked up an amazing amount of what we were doing here on Upcase. Uh, so we've decided that it does make sense to bring another person back onto the project. Uh, and in particular, Chad wanted us to look outside the Boston office and start to try and share this product work throughout ThoughtBot in a larger way. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm definitely into that. And in particular, Gabe Burke-Williams will be joining Upcase starting uh, in a week's time from now. GB Dubs. GB Dubs. Uh, so Gabe is formerly of the Boston office, but has since moved out to San Francisco, back home for him, actually. Mm -hmm. But he and I have worked together on a number of open source things. I think we have a really good rapport. He runs our blog, so he's very comfortable uh, with writing. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also been on the weekly iteration and a number of other video content. So in a lot of ways, I'm I'm very excited to get him on the project, uh, to get his input on it, his particular uh, view of things and how we can restructure stuff. Uh, and just to have another person working on it full time, mm -hmm. I think will be a huge help. Uh, I think the getting a fresh set of eyes is just gonna, is also yeah. great. Like Gabe is particularly good, I think, as a choice, but even just, just the fact that it's a new person yep. to be like, why is this like this? Yes. Why don't we have one of these? Yeah. What's wrong? Why is this thing crazy? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, on that note, in this past two weeks, Matt Sumner, uh, who is a Boston developer, has been working with me. And to that point, he's just kind of gone through and refactored a number of things. And each of the refactoring polls comes in and I'm like... Yeah, I don't have a great reason why that is that way. I'm mm. really excited that you have now changed that. Like he introduced a guest object, mm -hmm. which we've sorely wanted for a long time. Definitely. At one point, Goose was working on the project and was just like, why isn't there a, like seemed almost angry about it. And I was like, I get that. I see why you would feel that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, getting other people in here and just getting more input on it is great. Although, yeah, he, I will say that he, I was talking to him about working on Upcase and he's like, it's so nice to work on an internal project because like there are yeah. great tests and the code is mostly pretty clean and mm -hmm. so I think net net you're doing oh okay. yeah I, I've definitely I think said that on the podcast a few times that it's clear despite the nine to ten different pivots that this 
thing that this code base has gone through, mm. uh, it stands up pretty well to what the product is now. It is representative of that and getting better every day. I think that's the most important thing is we don't just let it kind of decay. We are constantly trying to fix it and upgrade it and make it map to the work that we're doing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we've said this on the podcast recently, uh, but I'm pretty sure that the application that currently runs Upcase in its like version 0.1 form was actually a tool for ordering lunch for people that were coming to in-person workshops at ThoughtBot. That is something that I have heard. Uh, I hope it's true. Because I'm pretty it's sure a great that's accurate. Story. You, got, you should look back in the Git history and <laughs> and share what you find there the next time we talk. But like it's it's even if that's not 100% accurate, it definitely has had a lot of lives oh, so far. Yeah. So like it's old. Yep. <laughs> it's old, but it's representative of the workflows and the thinking that we have now. Initial commit seven years ago. Seven years. I mean. I don't know how many people are working wow. on seven-year-old Rails apps, but when you look at the code base that, that is Upcase, that's a pretty damn good code base for seven years old. Yeah, and we're on like modern Ruby and modern Rails and yep. all of that. And if you, um, <laughs> just a seven-year-old commit message, correct potentially embarrassing gaffe. <laughs> I got to know what that is. Hold on. Let's see. I don't know if we can share it, but we'll see. Let's see. What is it? Matt used tell. the term gaffe in what, commit message. What is, I can't even tell what changed. Oh, you know what? I think it's uh, trailing white space. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So yeah, if you have looked at other seven-year-old Rails apps, you have probably run away terrified. So. I've looked at plenty of two-year-old Rails apps. Yeah, that exactly. I've run away it doesn't terrified. take a long time to make a mess. Um, but so, by the way, people might not know that you get access to that repo. Yes. If you become an Upcase subscriber. Indeed. So you can watch pull requests. Uh, you actually get access to there are four distinct uh, repositories, but two of them make up the core of upcase in the exercises system yep and i think uh, that's a big value yes like i wouldn't be like a hundred percent shocked if if you could charge for like like if 29 dollars a month like just for access to these repos Mm -hmm. would be a thing that some people would get enough value from to see it's worth it yeah i think at some point relatively recently you added uh, an email sequence part of the kind of onboarding that says hey do you know that you get access to this Mm -hmm. uh i think one thing that probably happens that we could emphasize is people view that as oh okay so i can i can look at the code Mm, Uh, and a static view of the code being able to pull that down you can pull patterns out and things like that but i think by far the most interesting aspect would be to watch the pull requests and to see the conversations that we have back and forth yes like Matt Sumner coming in this week and saying, like, why don't you have a guest object? And me saying, I definitely think we should. And mm-hmm. then there were a few caveats of the implementation of that. And we went back and forth. Uh, and we, we have had actually a few users that will pop in and just ask questions during a pull yep. request. Yep. And I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine a world in which we have, I don't know, 1,400 subscribers. And if all of them came in and asked questions during pull requests. Sure. That might get to be big, but for now, every single time it's happened, it's just put a smile on my face, and there's been an interesting discussion that happens. Uh, and in some cases, they piloted things. A person pointed out a SQL vulner- uh, vulnerability that I introduced into the app. Cool. Because you know sometimes you do that. Awesome. Um, but that was a user coming in and watching what was happening and saying, like, hey, I, uh, are you sure about this? There's something mm-hmm. that I love about someone paying you to watch the app, to watch you work on the app they're paying you for access to. Yeah, I, I love it. It's, uh, it's sort of unique something... to what we do. I don't know that there are other right. other places that could do it. What but else yeah. could you have a service that was like that? So meta. It's like I want to learn how to do surgery, so I'm gonna let you do surgery on me, but I'm gonna be <laughs> awake and watch, so I can learn how to do it 
or something. Or something. That's my best metaphor. That's a very good metaphor. It's, it's something. So help. Gabe will be joining the project. Awesome. Uh, and in particular, as part of that, I'm actually going to head out to San Francisco and spend the week working with Gabe, getting him onboarded. Also, a week in San Francisco in the middle of winter. How convenient. How convenient. Unbelievable. My explanation is that Dan Croak, our chief marketing officer, is also out there. He recently came off a sales rotation, and he and I have been having some conversations about Upcase. So mm -hmm. I get to work with both of them while I'm out there. That's, it's so much nicer to talk to somebody in person. It's, versus like base camp messages it definitely has a different like there's a hierarchy and in person a lot more information can get exchanged yeah. uh, like you and i record these podcasts sitting across a table looking at each other we and do. i feel like that's fundamentally different than if it were a computer and skype and you still had video and that's different than just a phone call and mm -hmm. uh, so i'm excited to do that excited to get that started a little later on in the project gabe's going to come here to do some recording so that's part of the plan as to how upcase has a remote uh, full-time employee mm-hmm uh, but yeah, definitely super excited about that. Uh, last thing that I do want to talk about, uh, it'll come up in the kind of end questions, but we had a down week here on uh, on Upcase. We lost some money, lost some uh, MRR, that mm -hmm. is. Uh, not a ton. We're down $306 uh, in monthly recurring revenue from last week, which is less than a percent. But it's still down, and we had been having a nice trend uh, of going up. Uh, so I did some analysis. Uh, there's nothing that really stands out as a singular cause uh, we had slightly lower than normal signups, but only slightly kind of within the, it's the low end of the band of what I would consider normal, but it's a little bit down. Uh, slightly higher than normal cancellations. Mm -hmm. uh, so with the signups, I couldn't find any distinct cause. It didn't seem like any channel was performing much poorer than before. Mm -hmm. Conversions didn't seem to go down. It was just kind of, eh, it's a little bit low. Mm -hmm. But that combined with higher cancellations caused us to be dipping a little bit. Hmm. Uh, so I investigated the cancellations, and I don't have any clear answer beyond the fact that uh, historically, I looked at October through December, 40% uh, of the cancellations in that range were people that had been there for a month or less. Uh, so mm -hmm. that in general is something that I want to work on, but mm -hmm. that's that's kind of a baseline for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I use that as a comparison to the past 10 days in which 55% of the cancelers were in their first month. Mm -hmm. uh, and thinking about the first month, that puts them to, they signed up early in 2016. Maybe this was kind of an aspirational, yeah, this is the year I'm going to, and that was actually the kind of wording of that email that I sent out. Yeah. Uh, so again, I wasn't able to actually cross-reference those lists. That would be an even more interesting, deeper look that I could go. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the sense of just trying to get uh, uh, an idea of what this was about, it seems like that is likely the cause. There's a little bit of falling off based on New Year spike in signups. And that is fine because it basically stabilized us at a point that's pretty high. Uh, for the New Year, we're up a little over $1,300 were up from January 1st. So I'm happy with that in MRR. That's reasonable growth. Mm -hmm. Probably like it to go a little higher, but that's a number that I'm fine with. So uh, an interesting thing. I'm definitely going to keep an eye. I hope next week we'll see that reverse and we're going to start going back up. Well, next week is a holiday, has a holiday in it. So it does. Might not be. Awesome. Who knows how that'll affect though. Maybe people yeah. sign up more. That's the thing is Upcase might be a thing where you get mm -hmm. more customers when they're not at work. It's an interesting question. Yeah, it's, I think it's good that you went and tried to come up with a cost and look into it, but it also might just be like, I mean, 0.1% one week. It's kind of like that might just be noise in the system. It might. It might. So I definitely came away with that. There was this one standout data point, but it's also I'm looking at 65 cancellations total over the past uh, right. nine days, and I'm trying to do statistical analysis on that. There could just be enough variance in it, et cetera, right. et cetera. The difference, so. difference between 40% and 55% of 65 is not that many people. Right. Uh, so I did, I asked our marketing team, like, hey, anything standing out to you? They didn't find anything. And 
all of us treated this as I'll throw 15 minutes at this to try and see if I can shake out a root cause. Yeah. We didn't find anything crazy other than it looks like some uh, one-monthers left. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. In general, I have lots of thinking around onboarding and retention and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think this is necessarily... We didn't do anything different to cause them to leave. I think it might just be a seasonal nature. Maybe. Okay. But yeah, that about sums it up. A bunch of stuff. That's where I'm at. Cool. How about you, Ben? What have you been up to? Well... Uh, Monday through Monday through Thursday, I guess up until today, I was at a conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called Big Snow Tiny Conf, and it was a conference for software entrepreneurial types. Okay, people that make money on the internet, roughly, <laughs> developer types, or generally anyone in kind of marketing through to development. Uh, it was founders. a mix. Okay, uh, I w- so it was limited to ten people, and we actually ended up with only nine. So it was nine of us in a condo. So um, when you say conference, you kind of mean a bunch of people went skiing. Uh, well, so, yeah, okay. Yes, there was skiing. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that's fine. You can still have great talks over skiing. Careless. And we did. So yeah. we stayed a gr- as a group the mm-hmm. whole time. And that's pretty much all we talked about was actually business. Yeah. So conversations in the lift, conversations at lunch, conversations at dinner. We did formal talks in the evenings. Oh, wow. So everyone gave a talk. Um, I can't decide if I'm a speaker at that conference or not in terms of thought about reimbursement. I think I'm going to say no, though. Um, uh, so it was really good. I feel really inspired and fired up. And mm-hmm. so I, I gave a talk in which uh, – as a, so I shared some of the small tactical things that have done well for us in the past. I talked about how our A-B tests with human faces tend to do pretty well. Mm-hmm. I talked about our cancellation. The follow-up email. The follow-up email. Yep for Upcase, how that's performed really well, uh, some other things. But then I solicited feedback about FormKeep. Mm-hmm. So I talked about the product and showed them how it worked and, and did all that and came away with some really good suggestions. And so one of the attendees, his name is Ted Pitts, and Ted is co-owner, co-founder of a 13-year-old software company, and they make software for countertop fabricators. So if you build <laughs> and install countertops, this, his company, Moraware, is like the only game in town. It's got to be like 10 million people that fit that mold in the world. Uh, so there's not that many. No. And so he, his talk was actually about, he, he said, you know, all of us have different businesses. And so I tried to come up with a list of things that I think made the biggest difference in my business. And maybe they'll be useful for you. And his number one point was niching down, picking a niche. Mm. So the fact that there are not that many countertop installers is actually a big strength for him. Mm-hmm. He says, because I know exactly who my customer is, I can reach all my customers. Right. It's like you can make a list of every countertop fabricator in the country and you know how to find them. You, you, can, you can see which shows they go to or like mm-hmm. what they read or what they're into. And he says, we have an, a very, very good profile of who's going to buy our software. Right. So he was sort of beating the, the niche down drum all weekend. And particularly around form keep, it's sort of interesting because who are forms for? Well, forms are for everyone, basically. Right. Like everyone needs a form. And he says, you know, whenever you say your customer is everyone, it makes me uncomfortable. Yes. And so I started thinking more about form keeps niche and form keeps niche is actually sort of defined by who uses it, by who who signs up for the customer is Mm -hmm. actually designers and developers. And so that's one way of thinking about it. I, I, I think I've lost a little bit of that trail. In the last couple weeks, I haven't been thinking about it as much as like, okay, the people that are signing up for this are technical. So how do I make this? be amazing for a technical person. Yep. The other thing I'll highlight as a standout in my mind is static sites. That really is like technical folks, not on Joomla, not on WordPress, not on anything else. They are on static sites because otherwise you don't need this. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. You actually probably want it on WordPress as well though, actually. 
So WordPress will is happy to serve you a page, but there's no like built in. You can make a form here. Really? Yeah. Why use WordPress? Uh, anyway, uh, I don't know because <laughs> it's it's there. It's it's yeah. People know uh, it. Yeah. But so I took what Ted said, and, and there were some explicit suggestions during the talk. And so I thought about, okay, let's keep top of mind who's signing up for this. Mm-hmm. We have seen some people that are not as technical, but they're not as successful with FormKeep. There are other options that are better for them. And we should be okay with that is one takeaway that I had. Because that'll let us be amazing at the developer and designer side, because we're going to make it not for the people that are not technical, which will let me make it so much more tailored. Yep. It already sort of is, but I, I think embracing that is an important mindset shift. Yeah. And also niching down on use cases. So there are actually basically only two things that people use FormKey for that I've seen. And that is a contact form where it's like, you know, you're, you're, do you want to hire me for this project or do you want to hire our company? Or uh, landing pages. So our Android app is launching soon. Click here or put your email in here and we'll contact you when well, it's I hadn't launching. thought about landing pages. That's a big one right there. Yeah. So those are two very specific use cases and they have slightly different motivations in them. And so given that almost everyone is using it for that, let's make it awesome for those things. Mm-hmm. And so I have two thoughts on those. So the first is for the contact forms. So one of the, my favorite things about this conference was that everyone was actually in different types of businesses. So some people had, you know, sold meal plans for vegans. And uh, one of the attendees owned a bunch of brick and mortar cell phone stores and also like sold software for salespeople and which, which had a very different perspective. Yeah. And so, but he was, he's very, very sales focused. It does a lot of training of sales managers and sales teams and all that tons of sales experience. And so he said, so like the data is flowing through you guys through the contact form. This is a sales form, right? And I was like, yes. And he says, you know what? So do, do you just give me the email address? And I was like, yeah, we just give you the email address. He goes, it would be amazing if you could tell me more about the person who had emailed us. And there's a funny story. FormKeep actually already has a clear bit integration. It's just only turned on for like four forms. So I think this was a project that got started a while ago because someone was like, hey, we should offer. So Clearbit, by the way, yes. um, yeah. is an API for enriching your data. Mm-hmm. So you give Clearbit an email address and they come back with this person works here. There are this many per- people at that company. The company is located in this location. Here's their Twitter profile, just everything that as they- As much information as they've been able to collect yep. uh, from the internet, from public profiles and things like that. Yep, but that's totally their jam is, you know, yeah. you g- give us an email and we'll tell you more about this person. Yep. And so I guess this got started at some point because it, <laughs> it works, but it's, it's, it's uh, like feature flagged so that only like forms with IDs, you mm-hmm. know, these four numbers get this thing because I guess it never quite got around to being deployed to everybody. Yep. And so I was like, well- you know, we actually could do this thing called Clearbit and it, it shows you this data. And he was like, you needed to go do that immediately. And that's your pitch to people that are like on the sales side. Because he says like, when a lead comes in, the first thing I need to do is decide who should handle this. Right? Is this worth the time of my best sales guy? Mm-hmm. Is this something that we should let go into an automated system? Uh, but he's like, that information is super valuable. And that totally takes you to a whole different price point. Yeah, I, I think that's the key thing that I would highlight there is it's behind a feature flag now shouldn't get turned on for everyone, I don't think. This is a differentiating, this is a nice price point differentiator for mm-hmm. you. Yep. Uh, and I don't know where you're at on pricing and tiers and things like that. Whether, uh, yeah, we'll come to that. Okay. Yep. Uh, but this feels like, yep, that's definitely one of those things that goes into the top bucket. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's uh, in the contact form niche. I think that's one way to, that's the, the pitch mm-hmm. in there is something like, you know, you give us an email address, we give you a fully developed lead or something yep. like that. We, we give Ooh, you an enriched That whatever. sounds nice. Right? That has some, some stuff to it, yeah. Yep. That, I think, is an interesting future direction for that use. Yep. Uh, as for the landing pages, I had another idea that I think is kind of compelling, which is, and this gets to what you were talking about the other day, 
uh, which was providing more of a turnkey, here's the form and its styling and all that mm-hmm. situation. So what I'm envisioning is if you are, you are a developer or a designer and you want to spin up a landing page for something, you could certainly go use lead pages, mm-hmm. uh, like an, a competitor, and that will work. You can get a, la- a, a landing page without writing any code or doing any that much work. Now, when you say landing page here, just to be clear, you're talking mm-hmm. about like a pre-launch mailing list gathering, not like a landing page that is one of many on your marketing front end of your web application. Um, either, Maybe. I think. Okay. When, yeah, I, th- when I say landing true. page, I picture like simple-ish, yep. one form that you're, like one mm-hmm. field that you're trying to get somebody to put an email address in, right? plus maybe name, and you know, some sa- like a sales pitch roughly that says why you should fill out this form. Mm-hmm. And so you could certainly go use somebody else. This is a thing. Like the, if you want to use the WYSIWYG thing and that's what you like, then great. There are solutions out there for you. If you're a developer and you want more control, like you want to run some custom JavaScript, like you want to do some fancy client-side validation, mm-hmm. or you care a ton about your styles and it has to look amazing, so you don't want to use lead pages templates right. or their goofy like WYSIWYG editor or whatever, you might want your own lead page. And so the idea I had was a... Heroku one-click deploy Ooh, of a yeah. pre-setup, probably Jekyll, static site, already styled with some sensible default stylings that you can get in there, and already wired up for FormKeep. It's interesting. I mean, the Heroku aspect sounds weird to me, actually. Really? Uh, yeah. So, again, I, I'm really focused in on the static site aspect of this, mm-hmm. and so Heroku is not static. It's dynamic. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about Jekyll. Jekyll is static. But... Inherently, if you run it on Heroku, you're going to introduce sleep unless someone pays for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it has some stuff there. Yep. But yeah. So I'll wind that back just a little bit. So the Heroku one-click deploy thing, mm-hmm. you can point it at any GitHub repo. Mm-hmm. So the idea would be if you want the repo, here's a repo that's already set up for this. Uh, if you want to just have it running immediately, just click this button. And yes, it'll cost you nine bucks a month if you don't want it to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I feel like there might be a middle tier, though. So, like, if you want the repo and you want to handle it all yourself, there you go. Here's a canoe. Go paddle up the river. Versus, I don't know why that's my analogy, but here we are. Versus you're going to Heroku, but now you're dynamic. Now you have to pay for it if you don't want it to sleep. It introduces these things. I think there might be a middle where it's, here's a repo. Pull it down. Change these two things. Or you could even automate that, potentially. But What two things are you thinking? The endpoint, probably. In those, like, one-click deploy buttons, you can Mm -hmm. specify environment variables. So that is interesting, but I'm wondering if there's a middle where it's, you're going to deploy this to S3. And so here's how you do that. This is an S3 hosted website, Mm. uh, and this gets you up and running super quick, but it is still static. It has all of those benefits. It has caching. It has SSL with CloudFront in front of it, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole bunch of- Isn't it still static if you put it on Heroku? It's still just HTML, right? Uh, Heroku's running a dyno though. Like, I don't know how Heroku would spin it up, compile, and then spit that out and not run it via a live dyno. I don't think well, Heroku I mean, has a mechanism There would need to be a dyno because that's how they do all, serve all web requests, right? right. But this, the static cases, aspect would only be if they are caching the content, if they're caching the build and serving directly from that. Which I imagine they would, right? If you send them a thing that's a Jekyll app, they're not going to, like, redo Anyway, who knows? Why? Their job is to... <laughs> you, you pay them to run a server. No, they're pretty smart with the build packs. They are, but they don't make money if they're not... Anyway, that's aside from the point. I like this idea, though. I like the automation, the one-click, get you up and running really fast. Mm -hmm. Anything like So the Heroku thing sounds great because it is just one-click. I personally, if I saw that, I'd be like, but I don't want to deploy to Heroku. That's my initial response, and Mm -hmm. I may be unique in that. I may be representative. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I never know where I fall in the world. but Yeah, so I think you might want to host on GitHub, right? If it's a Jekyll app anyway, you might want to just use GitHub GitHub pages. Yes. I think that's something we could also support. Yep. But... The implementation details aside, the the world that I want us to be in is 
we have three or four pre-built, nice-looking mm-hmm. landing page options that are already wired up for FormKeep. You can spin up one of them into the real internet. The real internet, not the shadow internet. Oh, God, I've said too much. Um, you can spin any of them up with mm-hmm. very minimal work. You're on your way. That's the idea. I love the ideas. I also think there's more that you can do on this. So the niching down, I think, is great. Uh, I think having these two topics is great. Uh, I think you having landing pages on FormKeep, formkeep.com slash articles slash contact form. And you say some really good things about contact forms, how to do a high converting contact. I I don't know if you Mm -hmm. have this already, but um, building out that content, if you think that's going to be a core thing for you, having Mm -hmm. a great page that is SEO friendly Mm -hmm. to get those people and to be able to say like, and look, it's one click to start this up. Mm -hmm. Same thing for the landing pages. Uh, All of that makes sense to keep going deeper into this. Mm -hmm. I agree. Cool. I like that. I think that's a good direction for you. Cool. I'm feeling good about it, especially the landing page thing, because it's very developer and designer friendly. Yeah. Like our audience is people that care about the markup. They want, they care about the markup, they care about the style, they, or they want control on the client or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like a pre-built runs on someone else's server, WYSIWYG thing is not going to work for them. Mm-hmm. And so we should embrace, I think, fully, like what advantages can we bring instead? Who, who are we serving? How do we make it awesome for them? And I think heading in that direction of, you know what a repo is, you know what Heroku is, or you know what S3 is, or you know what GitHub pages are, mm-hmm. and you know what a static site does and all that, I think is really going to be a nice place for us. Yeah. Sounds great. Cool. So that's the the niching, the niching, the niche niche. There should be a that'd be a good book club. Um, <laughs> tiered pricing. Uh, not a ton to say here, except that uh, it's in the works. Uh, the design, I believe, is done. The development work is in progress. I'm talking with Bernard early next week about where that stands, uh, and I am setting up calls right now with customers or would be customers or a mix actually. So I had someone send me an email like yesterday saying, we need a whole different pricing scheme because mm-hmm. we have three forums and we want to add 20 more. Yep. And I was like, yes, perfect. We can definitely make that work for you. Let's yeah, I talk. saw that come through in the chat room and I was like, oh, that seems interesting. Yeah, That's exactly. A, so yeah, that was like that. a get the laptop app up, you know, out and running instantly. Yep. So that, and I'm going to reach out to a handful of other people. I want to get a mix of current customers and people that said they like, so we ask people why they don't sign up if they don't. Yep. So I have, I can go back and search those messages for people that said price or pricing and, mm-hmm. and say, hey, would you blue in to hop on a quick call? We're trying out some new blah, blah, blah. So the goal of that is so that when the development work is done, we have the, a V1 of the tiers ironed out. I don't think that there is such thing as perfect pricing or that we'll get it right the first time or any of that so but i want to figure out what our our first crack at it is going to be yep and then i want to email everybody who's ever touched the website <laughs> anybody who's ever given me their email address basically which is probably a bunch at this point a decent amount yeah all right well that sounds good yeah. i know that's uh, what we've been driving towards for a while mm-hmm. so um and i noticed you've had some uh recent growth just based on i assume the pricing update the main one that you have done we're signing up a lot more customers so the old price was $19 per form. Mm-hmm. It's currently $9 per form. And we are, I would definitely say, signing up more than twice as many customers. Hmm. So. That speaks to something. It does, yeah. I mean, it, $19 was just not the right price point. Yep. That was an intermediate thing I was doing along the way, and it was kind of, it was bad. I mean, it happened. You inherited it, I think, in that place. Or I don't know. Did you try that? or That one, I, so I, we had a, when, I, when I inherited it, we had $25 for commercial and $7 for personal. Right, and right. I nuked the commercial, or yep. I nuked the personal and then dropped the commercial and yep. blah, blah, blah. So it was kind of like a, this weird intermediate. I know this isn't my eventual pricing, but let me see if this is a good middle mm-hmm. ground. And it really wasn't. So growth has been 
Good. Also, I'm going to be getting a report pretty soon from Audience Ops about how our organic traffic and whatnot is looking. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if we're seeing any results of the blogging. I know it's a long-term thing, but mm-hmm. we'll see if that's that might have some th- something to do with it. Interested to hear more about that. Yeah, me too. Cool. That might be it for me. All right. Well, uh, we've been chatting for a while, so why don't we uh, round this out with our typical set of questions? Okay. Uh, why is the product better for your customers than last week? Launch two weekly iterations. Beautiful. That's it. In a week? Uh, we recorded last Thursday, and now it's Friday, so there have been two in the span of time, but that's abnormal in that sense. Gotcha. What have you done to acquire more customers? Sent out some emails. Yeah, cool. Excited what, about those. What did you do well that you should repeat? Uh, reached out to a lot more of ThoughtBot, both locally here in Boston and a few remote folks, and trying to continue on that uh, trajectory as well. So Yeah, that's such an advantage. Yeah. So, yeah, let's milk that, basically. <laughs> uh, what did you do poorly? Uh, the emails took a little Other bit more dancing. of my <laughs> poorly dancing. I'm yeah. a bad dancer. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, there's weekly iteration bloopers of me dancing, and it's not great. Uh, did poorly. I think the emails took a little too much of my time and attention. Uh, both of those, I think I'm getting better at them, but they are still something that is outside of my core. And if I'm like when I code, I get into the flow state a little bit better. It's uh-huh. uh, closer to my expertise. And so I'm able to make more forward progress more rapidly with emails. I kind of, I, I tend to spin my wheels a little bit. Hmm. Uh, so I'll say that I did notice it purposefully stop and say like, all right, I just need to find a way to get these to a place that I'm happy and can send them out. These are not the only emails I'm ever going to send. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some historical reference data and I'm basing it off of that, but uh, yeah, they did take a little more of my attention than I would have liked. So, Is there anything that I or someone else can do to help you with that? Um, partly it's about uh, being able to communicate with someone, I found. When I do this on my own, I tend to get in my own little glass case of emotion, and uh, you know that has the inherent effects. Uh, I do much better when I have someone to talk with. And so partly this week, uh, Matt was the main person that I was working with. So I noticed this, and I said, like, I, I just need to talk with someone. So I grabbed him. I talked with him. Uh, soon, with Gabe coming onto the project, Gabe's going to be my main person to talk to about things, and I hope I for him. Uh, but I'm realizing about myself that that's a very important thing. And so recognizing that and accepting and kind of leaning into that is, I think, the main takeaway. Half the battle. Yeah. What do you hope to do by next time? Hope to do by next time. I want the bourbon outlines ready, so I'm starting to look for someone to record with. And I even have a timeline in mind for the actual recording. So excited about that. Uh, that's been popular. People have been asking for that. Yeah, I think it's good. I've got it targeted specifically at developers, but it's I'm, I'm excited for it. So heading towards that. Um, advanced active record. I want everything but the final blog post because I'm hoping Gabe can write a lovely blog post for that. Uh, but I want he and I to launch that while I'm out in San Francisco. So I want to be basically ready to go. Mm-hmm. I want to support Josh in getting the test-driven rails updates made, all the show notes, the markers, summaries, all of that stuff, and just get that page a little bit closer to what we're used to. Uh, and lastly, I want to reach out to a few folks in our open source world, particularly Josh Clayton on Factory Girl and George Brocklehurst on the Gitsha repos, mm-hmm. and get links on them to on the readmes for those projects back into the free episodes of the weekly iteration about those topics. I think that's an important thing to have in the world, to integrate the ThoughtBot and the Upcase and all of that. Cool. You get that all written down? All those things you want to get done? Yes. Awesome. They're on a list here. So let's make sure we revisit next week. Yes. Uh, MRR up, down? MRR is down, down $306, unfortunately. To what? Uh, It is currently at $33,586. Cool. How about you, Ben? What did you do to make your product better for your subscribers? Uh, Not a ton. We fixed some small UX issues and bugs that were related to the new Ember thing. There's just a handful of edge casey things like oh this thing is weird now or like that validation when you thing. say the ember thing you mean the lack of ember thing yeah well yeah. i wouldn't say lack 
I wouldn't say I've been missing Ember. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, correct. The removal okay. of Ember. A couple of things. Um, but yeah. so, so not much. Uh, things that were edge casey, but they're not better. Sure. Uh, what'd you do to get more subscribers? Nothing, really. All right. Yep. I mean, we published a blog post, and by we, I mean someone else. Uh, what did you do well that you should repeat? Going to that conference, I think, was actually really solid. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I took away a lot. I am excited, which is an important thing. <laughs> Passion and excitement is a very valuable. valuable resource, is what I was yeah. looking for. Resource, yeah. So I feel like that was worth doing. And All hearing right. other people in different kinds of businesses was great. Mm-hmm. People with very different perspectives. Like that sales thing. I've never fielded sales leads. So mm-hmm. to me, like clear bits, like interesting, but not that valuable. But when someone with a ton of sales background heard that was like, you need to do that right away. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, what did you do poorly that you should uh, stop? Uh, support was not so good this week. Mm-hmm. Had that stuff that sat around longer than it should. I'm not in the habit of explicitly getting someone to cover support when right. I'm out, out doing other things. So I, I could, I handled the important things as they came in, but mm-hmm. there were a handful of people that waited too long for a response. Sure. So I actually have been talking about making a, I need a checklist for when I'm leaving of yeah. things I need to do. Like let, let you and Tom know that, that the podcast is going to be different and yeah. find someone to cover support and update this calendar. And Checklists yeah, yeah. are so good. They are good. You should write uh, manifesto about that. What are your plans for the next week? Next week is, I have three plans. Uh, I want to talk to five customers about the pricing, the tiered mm-hmm. pricing. Uh, not customers, five people customers and otherwise. Uh, I want to ensure that we have someone working on the pricing changes, just to make sure that keeps getting driven forward. I think it's gonna be Bernard, but got to make sure. And also I need to perform a weekly review like nobody's business. <laughs> it's been a couple weeks since my weekly review and I got like an inbox full of crap. And, yeah. and then I have all these new ideas from uh, the conference. And so I really want to just have a nice organized kind of yeah. overview of what my life is. I'm just surfing on top of an overflowing inbox right now. That's my game. <sighs> yeah. It's going to uh, be good. So those are my three. What is your MRR, up or down from last week? Our MRR is $5,157, which is up 3%. And that's the first time you've cleared 5,000, I believe. It is. Uh, I had 5,030 last time. Oh, okay. Well, congratulations. But I'm over 5,100, so hey. That's that's a new number. It's a higher number. That's exciting. Good to hear it. Awesome. Well, as always, this has been fun, Ben. It has been fun. Thanks for chatting with me. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Old Ironsides Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 183. Thanks for listening.